0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Leslie. Welcome to the MagCulture Podcast, recorded live here at the Mag Culture Shop. I'm joined this month by Mark Robbermond from Amsterdam, where he manages the wonderful magazine shop, The Athenaeum. We're going to have a look at some recent magazines, look back at MagCulture Live, and share some stories about selling magazines. Welcome, Mark. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Before I got involved in, in, in opening a shop or anything, whenever I traveled, I would visit magazine shops wherever I was. And one of my favorites always was the Athenaeum. It's been around for quite some
1: time, hasn't it? It's got a bit of history to it. Yeah, we opened uh, 50 years ago uh, this year, actually. In 1969, uh, it opened as the newsstand of uh, the Athenaeum uh, bookshop. And in the, in the beginning, we sold a lot of political magazines and pamphlets newspapers it was very news-based so all the political movements in the city they gathered mostly on this square where we are spouse square in the middle of amsterdam and they brought their independent publications to the shop Um, there was also a radio station where shows were broadcast journalists came to the shop uh, to read the the international newspapers and uh, there was also a telephone so they could call the, the editors at the newspapers to to tell them what the news was so <laughs> it is it is deeply rooted in news and also independent publishing is really in the DNA of the mm-hmm. shop we we, we think mm-hmm. yeah but you weren't
0: there then so when did no. you join
1: <laughs> I joined eight years ago uh-huh. yeah I always had a love for magazines and zines and I've been publishing zines since I was a teenager and um, then this job uh, popped up and it was uh, it really fitted uh, my enthusiasm mm-hmm. and love
2: for analog print and mm-hmm. uh, yeah I loved it. And there's um, there's a few of you, there's a team of you working there aren't there? As, um yeah we are We are in a team, um, we have Anneke Reinders, Renie van der Kamp, Martin
1: Smit, Maartje Kouwenberg and me. Uh, so we are with five at the moment, um, we all are very uh, big lovers of magazines and newspapers and print and what we love about the shop is also that our customers are also very enthusiastic about it. Yeah. So we are in the middle between the publisher and the, and the customer, let's say. And the customers are also sometimes the publishers. So it's, it's yeah. a mix yeah. of, of magazine lovers all together in the, in the shop. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a familiar audience to the one we have. Yeah.
2: Talk me briefly through your day as, as, as running the shop. What, does that, what, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? In the morning, all the international newspapers come
1: in and we get deliveries from the main Uh, distribute main Dutch distributor so for example if the new apartamento comes in we get a we get huge piles of the (laughs) -hmm. the new issue because it's 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 one of our best sellers so we have to find a place in the shop to to leave all these magazines and bring them to the to the basement and then we have to return the newspapers from the, the day before help customers of course there's always because it's such a busy square people are always walking by so you're always distracted by something happening on the square it's a it's a very busy place in the city then usually we get loads of uh, boxes from distributors and magazines that we work directly with we have to put them into the system Mm -hmm. put stickers on the magazines and uh, actually the shop is not that big and we have a lot of titles so it's, always, it's like a puzzle we have to well
0: that's one of the things I love about it is it's, that it's like a sort of it's like, I don't know sort of cornucopia you have to sort of look through and you're finding new stuff all the time as you flick through magazines and look through on the shelves and it's really rich
1: yes it's, uh, it, it is sometimes uh, customers uh, tell us that it's a little bit overwhelming and <laughs> we agree with that too for us it's also sometimes overwhelming <laughs> to get all these boxes in do and you lose
2: stuff? Lose stuff yep. to, like like people steal stuff. No, too, no, no. I
1: mean, do you sort of there's
0: a copy of there, There's what, There's two copies of Apartamento left. Where are they? Yeah, yeah. We are looking. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: are looking for magazines yeah. uh, throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you see? Did, is, did it? Was it returned already, or maybe it's reserved for a customer? Or somewhere. maybe it has been stolen. Maybe it has could, been stolen. Yeah. It, it it doesn't happen that often, yeah, yeah. and it's it's kind of um, strange because we have so many magazines outside on the square. Mm-hmm on piles so half of the shop is actually outside of the of the shop so you would expect people to to, to steal magazines but then you count the fantastic man pile and it's
2: completely the number that we we yeah, should have yeah. so maybe people always also really respect this these mm-hmm. piles of yeah. of prints yeah well certainly um, our experience of customers
0: is that lovely
1: <laughs> yeah for us too yeah it's it's a very positive vibe you get from from people that that love magazines and it's also really what something i really love about being behind the counter is that you can sometimes sometimes you get customers uh, at the counter with a pile of magazines and that is and it's such a beautiful selection it's like all the magazines you you, you loved yourself mm-hmm. that month that you're enthusiastic about and you think like wow you but then but then do you find sometimes they have
0: uh, they'll pick three magazines, and there no one has ever bought those three magazines together before. Yeah, so the most ridiculous combination of a sports magazine, a food magazine, and a really obscure kind of political object or something.
1: Yeah, you also get, for example, people buy really obscure zine then new york magazine a newspaper art forum and you think okay you've been really through the shop you've, yeah, been, yeah. <laughs> you've been checking our yeah. stock so and that and that's it's it, it feels like a compliment mm-hmm. uh, anyways yeah. and 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 um yeah, you have the feeling that, we, that you really share something with the customers, uh, th- th- this, this love mm. for magazines and periodicals.
0: One of the questions I always get asked about the shop is what are the best sellers? You've already mentioned Fantastic Man and Apartamento, which clearly are, are up there. What else sells well in, at the Athenaeum?
1: The new uh, Fucht is always selling very well. This comes once a year and it's always picked up very quickly when it comes in. Uh, Monocle is Mm -hmm. is a bestseller, it's always in the front of the shop, Uh, the same goes for Gentlewoman, Gentlewoman and Fantastic Man are piled up always in the the front in an Mm -hmm. A location in the shop, they're local, so um, that's very important for us. Uh, then the last issue from syndromes, the pink issue, oh yeah, okay. is is picked up really well. We already expected this with the pink color somehow that that, that yeah. a lot of people would would like this. And another pink magazine that is selling spectacularly well is uh, Flaneur magazine. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's picked up. Uh, mm-hmm. This issue is uh, is going very it's well. It's a really spectacular issue, I think. We've sold out.
0: We're trying trying to get more copies as we speak but uh but that one's been i mean that's sold better for us than any, any of their previous editions
1: yes for sure yeah the the, the previous issue sao paulo was uh, also it was quite a dark issue mm-hmm. and moody uh it had a yeah. lot of it also had a lot of energy
2: in it i think the same that goes for taipei it's a it, yeah it, it's a very you really. Well, I, th- I think in that in that previous when the Sao Paulo one, they were almost trying to
0: downplay the expectations of, of Brazilian kind of carnival and brightness.
2: Then they went so dark with it. Yeah, it's it became, really much in your face yeah. with the
1: pictures of the meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It, it it is really challenging for mm-hmm. for, for readers uh, to, to mm-hmm. get through that, even though the magazine is in a way challenging because it's. It, it really challenged you to dive into the magazine. And with the new issue, the cover is very bright. The the, tec- the Chinese text is integrated in the, m- much more integrated in on the pages. So I think the design is so fleshy and fast and there's so many colors that y- you really get this I- intensity mm-hmm. of, the, of, of this particular street in Taipei. Yeah. It really comes across from the first pages and um, it's 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 really also kind of overwhelming and um, energetic issue. Yeah, yeah. Just from, f- from it's visually, um,
0: it's nice. T- it's good to see it happen. It's been. I mean, it's been. I mean, the Stack Awards happened last week, and it won Magazine of of the Year, and the, which is great to see because it's yeah. sort of been there or thereabouts for several years now. It's yeah. Sort of it's deserved your really well attention, but never quite got the the big prize. So it's great to see it get that prize. Yeah. We'll come back to the Stack Awards. Um, you mentioned um, Foot Magazine and uh, Ariana Spania from the uh, from the magazine is one of our speakers at Mag Culture Live, which took place a couple of weeks ago. Before she came to speak at the conference, she popped by the shop for a quick conversation. And how does the, the annual publication schedule relate to the rest of your work? So you have your own design studio mm. working with clients in mm. Berlin. Mm. Is the magazine, is it... Does it sort of serve a purpose in the context of all that? Is it a useful thing for you to be doing? Does it attract attention to your own work or is it just entirely separate? Yeah,
3: I think it does. I mean, I can't really point my finger to it and I can't say, okay, because of Fucht, I got this and this and this work. But it's it's one of these projects where um, there's obviously all the freedom in it creatively. So I can do what I want uh, with that project. And that's usually something that... Yeah, maybe clients or an audience is a- appreciates the most because you can be kind of yeah, true to yourself or it's like you're not influenced by all these wishes and objections that clients might have. I think that is really important for uh, designers to have something, at least one thing. An um, outfit. Yeah yeah, 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 something where where it's their own.
0: Does it cover its own costs hmm. or...?
3: We cheat a little bit because we are a little bit funded by the Norwegian state,
4: mm-hmm.
3: like not continuously, but we we had the opportunity to, to get that money, and if we apply, that covers some of our print costs, sometimes mm-hmm. all of it. This is just basically sheer luck because <laughs> of Bjørn's nationality, his passport. But I think it does anyway. Now at least we get to zero, so mm-hmm, it's not yeah. a business in that sense that we really have a turnaround where we can say, okay, like, let's just hire two, three more people. So it's it's not like that. We never really considered it an option like that because, or like that that is a goal we wanted to to be with the magazine because if it becomes a business, I think we lose the fun with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's also important, since I am having so many other design jobs, and Bjorn is doing his art and he has exhibitions, it's also important that we do these other work in other areas to stay also uh, interested in the magazine. Because I think otherwise we would need to have at least two issues a year, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. And then it's a year-round job. And for me, that would not be probably not be fulfilling and we would like have to spread out in all kinds of other areas around like promotion wise also around the magazine we probably would need to organize events as well as Uh as many magazines do now since we don't really want it to be a full-time job for for us i think it's not really going to be a business in that sense yeah It's the interest in drawing, and we are happy if it sells well. And it's also happy if we can reach more people and if we can increase the, the print run. But so far, we do most of it because it's fun. Yeah.
0: That's great. Was yeah. it, I mean, what, what's lovely about it, one of the things I think people really appreciate about it, is, is that the fun comes across. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, you obviously have a good time doing it, and the fun comes across in the pages.
3: Yeah. And there, there are obviously sometimes moments where you think, like, oh, really? Maybe we we should just you know quit and maybe after that and that issue and then, yeah, then another year. Then we haven't worked on it for a while and then it's, yeah, it's starting again. But we could also do something about that that theme, mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. because that is something that for, for us is actually new. We uh, we just finished uh, with with this new issue that's just the third themed issue and that's in the whole new the system issue the system yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was words or text based yeah. drawings before and before that was a sex issue but that's a new thing for us mm-hmm. uh, to to basically work more focused
0: <laughs> so that's reignited the sort of fun and excitement yeah
3: yeah yeah because because it's a total different way to look at the drawings to find the drawings and to talk um, also it's a, it's a much easier way for us to talk to the artists about the work. We haven't done that so much before because it's always if it's just drawing as a theme you, you also so run so out of a, yeah, like what pens do you use you know
0: it's like <laughs> Do you know what the next theme's going to be yet?
3: Yeah, we know that. It'll be story. Okay. We are really looking forward to start uh, working on it. But we we immediately uh, found or could think of of many artists to, to have in there, even though it's not necessarily, you know, like comic books or something. Um, so yeah, we are we are really looking forward, even though we are still on a little break mm-hmm. of the launch of the of the last issue.
0: Thanks Ariana for joining us. A couple of highlights for me from her opening talk. Very entertaining talk. She did an A to Z about her magazine Foot. The first highlight was the image for the letter E, which was the character E made up from heavy-duty gaffer tape stretched across her two toddler twins, holding them, sticking them to the wall, <laughs> which sort of summed up the, the sort of work-life kind of mix that she, that she and her partner who make the magazine live. Uh, and second was the prospective future edition of the magazine in the form of a pair of pills that you could swallow and you would enjoy your own version of the magazine
2: uh, in her head. There were loads of other highlights. What, Mark, did you um, particularly enjoy on the day? I really enjoyed the talk by Jody
1: Kwon from New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nice to to hear a list of covers that she did and uh, project and articles for New York Magazine. Uh, it was really nice to listen to her voice and the character behind all these stories that that come to the shop via the magazine. So I I really enjoyed her mm-hmm. talk. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was something very um, engaging about just hearing a sort of talk about so we rang barbara
1: kruger <laughs> exactly <laughs> then, we, we we arranged an helicopter yeah yeah, yeah. it was it was uh, it's another level exactly yeah yeah it was really interesting uh, and uh, inspiring to hear this love and fire for, for magazine making mm-hmm. uh, that 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 really gave a, a more a 3d idea for me about the magazine yeah
0: uh, and then we also heard from um, well h- h- numerous speakers there's there's a whole kind of wrap up um, uh, on, the Mag, um, on the Mag Culture Journal that will give you more insight into, into everything. Uh, you can also hear more on um, uh, Monocle's um, The Stack radio programme from a couple of weeks back. But we did also hear from Charlie Brinkhurst-Cuff um, about how Galdem's print edition supports their digital presence. And by coincidence, before we began recording today's podcast, I was chatting to Lucy, Lucy Dearlove, our producer, and she's just made a zine based on her podcast. Uh, so I had a quick chat with her about that. So Lucy, welcome to the front (laughs) side of the microphone. Obviously you, you help us with our podcast thank you very much for that but the, you're, you're busy making other podcasts including your own podcast so now's your chance to mention that. So.
5: Yeah absolutely so I amongst many projects I make a podcast called Lekka which is a food podcast about the power of a good meal and it kind of centres around personal stories which are recorded largely in people's kitchens like occasionally not but I really like the kind of soundscape of kitchens and people's comfort in that space and I've made that for about three years now and it's very much a DIY personal project but earlier this year I decided... did to do something different with it which was make a print zine under the kind of umbrella of the podcast itself and I'd been inspired by the so many wonderful food magazines and zines and things like put an egg on it um no
4: and
5: um and obviously the gourmand Mm -hmm. and uh club sandwich which I learned about by this podcast and also zines like grub which is um a very diy scene produced by cherry styles at synchronized Witches press in yorkshire that I loved and I really liked this idea of kind of people being able to tell their own stories without me editing it. Uh I feel like on the podcast, people tell me their stories and it comes through me and I edit it and then kind of put out my version of their story in a way. And I liked the idea of it being the same thing, but direct to the page Mm -hmm. from these people. But I think there's a real connection between like DIY Zine culture and the sort of podcasting Mm -hmm. that I do. And I think it's a very like personal, intimate connection. And and I like that. I like that connection, Mm -hmm. definitely.
0: And what 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 effect has producing the zine had on the project as a whole?
5: Well, it was quite unprecedented, really. I did it as a curiosity more than anything, and I put a call out earlier in this year, and I had in the end about thirty six people uh, submit things, and that was illustrations and recipes and lots of personal essays and sort of general like food related things that people sent me, which was really fun. And so I printed 150, which I uh, Xeroxed at my husband's school. It was all very DIY. Uh I kind of cut and stuck it all together on my living room floor and then printed it by hand. And I put them online a week before it launched and it so they sold out by the time I'd launched. So I just had no idea. And there was just such a response. I've had so many messages people asking me when it's going to be another run, mm-hmm. like where they mm-hmm. can buy it. And I've had a real spike in listeners, which I really didn't expect somehow because it's really hard to market podcasts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's something that in the that kind of the industry we talk about a lot. And I've worked, really, I've tried various things. Sometimes things don't work the way you had, but this worked better than anything else I've ever done in order mm-hmm. to get people to listen. And I didn't mean to do that. And it was a really nice kind of happy accident. <laughs>
0: Well, thanks very much, Lucy, for for sharing that. And it's not the first time I've heard exactly that story, and it's fascinating to hear it firsthand, so thanks. London printers Park Communications are a key part of the independent publishing scene, helping ambitious magazine makers make their dreams a reality here in the UK and the US. At the recent Print Week Awards, Park won the prize for Bespoke Magazine Printer of the Year. This was for their work on independent magazines such as Beauty Papers, The Plant and Printed Pages. Just like MagCulture, Park Communications love magazines and we're proud to have them sponsor this podcast. Welcome back, I'm here with Mark from the Athenaeum. I and mean, quickly, just one last highlight from Mag Culture Live, for me anyway, was uh, when um, the, the editor-in-chief of Fantastic Man revealed his collection of shorts. Gert Yonkers actually bought, I mean, he, he, he had them fo- as photographs on the screen, but he actually had, by his side, a, a, a collection of shorts through which he could describe his life. And he mentioned to me afterwards that that actually first originated from an event that you had done with MacGuffin at the Athenaeum.
1: Yes, we uh, launched the last issue from MacGuffin in the shop. Uh, It's about the trousers. And uh, Gert Jonkers came with his pile of uh, shorts. And you could actually win one of his shorts. So he showed them all in the shop to the audience. And there was a quiz involved. And the, the winner took home gert jonkers uh, uh-huh. uh jeans do you, yeah. do
0: you know who won do you
1: uh, um,
0: was it a random member of the public yeah it was a random okay. uh, yeah
1: it was not someone we i knew no uh-huh. no uh-huh. but a very happy customer uh-huh. <laughs> so i have this image
0: of, of of um gert uh sort of traveling from talk to talk right. gradually losing all his yeah. shorts exactly yeah he shouldn't do too many quizzes yeah. <laughs> otherwise he can't, he can't go back to greece <laughs> Um, it's also uh, great to welcome um, Serge Rico from France. We, do, we don't often get many sp- speakers from from France, um, and he was talking about his work on Lobs, and, and he made a lot of reference to the the, the archive material that he used uh, in his redesign of, of of that magazine, and that included uh, Nova. and It's always nice to see Nova on the screen. And this is a really long segue into our next quick interview. Last month, we welcomed two of the principals from that magazine to the shop for an event celebrating the republication of the book about the magazine, Nova, 1965 to 1975. Here's a brief excerpt from the conversation I had with art director David Hillman and fashion editor Caroline Baker.
6: The features editor of Times um, was offered the editorship of Nova magazine. And to my surprise, he said, would I like to become an art director? because I thought he was going to go with someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, it was a a big decision because, you know, the Sunny Times was actually a major, you know, successful magazine, and I was going off to something which had actually, although we in the magazine industry knew about it, it was still a pretty minority Mm -hmm. magazine, and actually was bucking all, all the trends, which is actually the thing that interests me, and I'm sure that it's actually, you know, the same thing for Caroline that actually... You know. Well,
4: I absolutely knew nothing about magazines uh-huh. at all. I was really into fashion, and I used to read um, the I think it was the Daily Express is what we all read. We get the stories, and we would we would follow the models. And then Barbara Bulanica used to do her drawings of her dresses and stuff like that. Who, I, who,
0: who went on to Bieber? Yes, yes, yes and she went Bieber. on
4: to Bieber, and then was from school went to be a secretary because at that time that's what girls did you you either were a teacher or a stewardess or a secretary. And as a secretary I was very lucky because I was, I did temporary work and I was sent to work for Shirley Conrad who was the home editor at the Observer. And that was when I suddenly discovered this, you know, the media, this world of um, newspapers and uh, magazines and then I wasn't aware of NOVA at all, I have to say. And when you look at the prices, it's 20p, but that would have been too expensive for me. <laughs> could you believe this? I used to get paid, what, a thousand a year. You know, this is a, like, you could think, it's not true. But anyway, the art director, again, they were the most important people, the art directors of The Observer. Ray Hawkey said, Molly Parkin, who's at NOVA magazine, is looking for a home assistant. Mm-hmm. I will introduce you to Molly. So I went to see Molly because Molly was doing fashion at uh, Nova magazine. And suddenly, architecture became quite trendy. There was um, this Buckminster Fuller, wasn't it? And then people making paper furniture and stuff like that. Mm. Anyway, so I went to, I saw Molly, and so Molly employed me as her home helper. And she did her fashion stuff. She was quite a tough girl, I must say. Uh-huh. And it was always like being thrown in the deep end anyway she was naughty as well <laughs> and she had a massive row with um, the editor david never met molly Parkin. she was she was an artist and she was quite an amazing woman really but she got fired and so i got called into the then, the editor's office and he said to me, oh, you look like you like fashion because i had my vidal Sassoon haircut and the twiggy eye makeup and the miniskirt <laughs> So um, why don't you give it a go? And uh, you know, I want to. We want completely new fashion. We don't want it to be like anything else that's here. So that's why I'm asking you, because I can see you like fashion, and you obviously you haven't got any money, so you can't run around buying couture. At that time, you didn't have to do any of the sort of relationship with advertisers at all. So basically. I would probably talk and get, with David, with the art directors, would work out, well, what are you going to do? We work three months in advance, at least. Yeah, that was, that, we that, that was the kind of the real change
6: from what you guys do now. I mean, you know, we yes, were…
4: So you're always working a season ahead. So, I was following the fashion the way a traditional fashion editor would. So. We would go, Paris existed, it was the ready to wear, so you'd go, you'd do Paris. And and then London had its uh, London fashion scene going on. But I was also searching for alternative to the designer world. I was quite feminist myself in a way. You might not have realized it. <laughs> but I think it came out through my work. I used to get very upset at how women were always portrayed to be like these kind of dolls with the mid hair, the, you know, the D- David Bailey's pictures in Vogue and the lipstick and stuff and the heels and this object of desire sort of thing. Where, you know, we were, all us girls, we were all struggling, going to work on the bus and wanting, you know, not able to join that world at all. So I started exploring different arena for clothing. The offices were in Covent Garden. So, and I actually shared a flat there with a bunch of uh, boys in Covent Garden, but used to walk to Soho a lot and I passed the waiter's shop and i said, say, gosh, I really like all these, the chef's clothes, you know, they're really cool and they were really cheap. And so I would buy things and try them out and stuff. i think, yeah, this would be good, good, i like, put this in fashion and then I would have to... Persuade the the chef place to lend me the clothes, because you're going to just go and take it to a fashion shoot and bring it back. And they just you know they so, would oh <laughs> you're never going to bring it back. You know so I have to leave a cheque behind. Mm-hmm. And then army surplus was the other thing that was the band bomb movements were going on. there well, was, all that, it was the war, all that
6: Vietnam. There was one oh. shop in the strain that sold ex U.S. Army kit.
4: And all the st- on the street, you see, you you. This is where street style came in to being, mm-hmm. because fashion had been very much an elite, um, sort of upper class uh, domain, really, and women would look to would want to look like, you know, Jackie Kennedy or whoever was the sort of most important woman at that time. And, uh, you know, you couldn't go into shops like Harrods in jeans and things like that. There were these very strict mm-hmm. rules. And in uh, Nova, I think what we did there with our, this sort of uh, mission that we had to be shocking every month was really anti-establishment, wasn't it? So you were thinking all the time. Well, what can I do now? And then you would think, well, I want to do it. I want to wear this. And I discovered the ballet, the ballet shops and leg warmers. And I was always cold. And I said, well, leg warmers, it's just wonderful. And then mm-hmm. I, I put them in Nova. And then it's like the next six months later, when you're in Paris, they have leg warmers on the catwalk. You, know, <laughs> like, you then realize that everybody's feeding off all these ideas. And it's just it's sort of now I can see. Something which I was totally unaware of at the time is that the influence that uh, we had as a magazine on the public is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm, it was. It, is I think the
6: kind of the, the real difference that, with what Caroline was doing and what Vogue and, and the other fashion magazines were doing is actually Vogue and and Queen and all those kind of you know the monthly glosses mm-hmm. were doing uh, they, were, they were shop windows. This is what you can buy on the high street now right caroline's attitude was actually this is what i think you might be wearing in three years time
0: so thanks david and caroline for joining us for that that was recorded a couple of months ago uh, here at the mag culture shop we've mentioned those the stack awards Several times, I think we should have a proper look. So you're one of the judges. Yes. We should start at the very top with Flaneur, which one as we already mentioned, uh, one magazine of the year. Yes. A
2: worthy winner, as we uh, I think we both agreed. Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very well deserved too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're under commended, as in second place was Migrant Journal. Yeah, they are for I think third year they are commended. Yeah. Uh, it's such a big
1: and beautiful project within the field of independent publishing it it has been striking from the start and it's such a strong concept and the way it's produced over these three years is very special so even though i think flaneur is 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 really mm-hmm. the magazine of the year it's, it's it's fantastic it's at the same time i think migrant also it's, it's tough see, isn't it it's, it's tough, a really yeah. tough call
0: because yeah. and of course migrants ended its run this year with its six issues it came to an end so yeah.
1: It's not going to have the chance again. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, the project is finished now. Yeah, so, yeah. and Flaneur uh, was also shortlisted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but then
0: Flaneur's had it. It's been shortlisted a few times. Yes. Never quite one. So yeah,
1: yeah, and they and I mean Flaneur is also again in this field of magazines it's such a special title nobody's doing what they Mm -hmm. do and this this is this last Taipei issue really stands out Um, yeah yeah I
0: think overall the stack awards are a great celebration of all these magazines so I mean I think uh, on the one hand if I were involved in migrant journal I'd be terribly disappointed not to have won the big prize but on the other hand they've been mentioned and again 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 so they have a presence in these things
1: yes of course they and it's it's much loved at the same time and uh, Mm -hmm. they get a lot of uh,
2: attention Anyway, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult to to not f- uh, find migrant journal in a way. Yeah, yeah. And then um, some of the other magazines we've talked about
0: already won awards. So Foot won cover of the year for their system issue. Um, so well done to them. I judged launch of the year, and that was that was a very uh, strong area. But um, the American skateboard magazine Oso came through uh, with that.
2: Uh, I judged that those with um, Debbie Millman. Uh, but then you were judging illustration of the year. Yes, I judged illustration of the year together with Susanne Tromp. Uh-huh. She's from. Uh, we transfer
1: also from Amsterdam. So, were you able to sit down together? And, and Actually, we we didn't. We we skyped with uh, uh-huh. with Steve. Oh, of course, the three Steve of us. Was, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So we didn't sit down together, but we agreed uh, mainly on the on the three titles mm-hmm. that, that, that we chose. Uh, so nork won uh, best use of illustration it's a magazine from the north of norway i've never heard of it before uh-huh. when the pile came in uh, oh, so w- so when it came to judging you you, you hadn't seen it before i haven't uh-huh. seen it before and when the when the pile came in of magazines uh, from stack it was the first of the uh, uh, it was the first magazine that i picked up because of the cover what is really special about this magazine is mainly the the, the use of collages uh, the collages and uh, illustrations are—they th- have a lot of space in them. The magazine has it has a special rhythm. It's a magazine about climate change, or at least this issue is about climate change. And what is also very strong about it is that the typography also becomes illustration in a way—the mm-hmm. b- way it's placed over the over the pages. Well, 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 the
0: thing that really strikes me about it, I mean, sometimes when you to think of collage, you think of something very dense and complex and um, quite complicated. Uh, but, but actually, some of them, I mean, there's a mixture of styles, but some of it, like, like the front cover, is really stark and simple.
2: Yeah. But, the, but the,
0: I think this is one of the things that's really powerful about the indie publishing at the moment is, is that we, you know, we've mentioned some quite familiar magazines that are, that are winning some of the bigger awards. But then... Something like Nort comes in and it completely surprises you. Not C for six because we we've just taken it in stock at the shop because it's it's a beautifully made magazine. And yet, as you say, it's from a really obscure part of Norway um, that we wouldn't have you know we'd never heard of this
1: place without this magazine. No, I I even googled it Uh because I wanted to know where this was made and Mm -hmm. who
2: these people are or what what kind of their background is of editors to Mm -hmm. make such a such a magazine. But uh, congratulations to all the winners, all, all very um, deserving of their prizes.
0: And you can see, uh, you can, I'm sure you can find the full list online. Okay, so I think that's that's it for the episode. Thanks very much for joining us, Mark. You've Thank got you some much. plans coming up.
1: Yes, we have a printing planned art book fair in Amsterdam. It's organized by Lawyersgracht 60. Uh, it's 22nd to 24th of November. It's an art book fair and we have a pop-up shop there. So we will bring our best magazines. The Fair also has a public program, and we also worked a little bit on this together with Lawyersgracht 60. There's going to be a talk by Flandre magazine. Mm-hmm. Johannes Konrad from, from Studio Yukiko yeah. is going to be there together with Fabian Sol, one of the oh editors-in-chief. Uh-huh. So they're going to present the magazine there. And then there's going to be a talk between Christoph Amend from Zeit magazine and... Kirsten Algera and Ernst van der Hoeven from McGuffin. I'm going to interview them about magazine making. And I thought it would be nice to interview them because one publishes uh, for a mainstream audience weekly and the other one publishes twice a year in the independent magazine landscape. And I want to talk about them, about their love for magazine making and what inspires them and also how the independent magazines inspire a mainstream editor like Christoph Ament.
0: Fantastic. So that takes place this coming weekend.
1: Yes, that's 22nd to 24th. Great, great.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us. Okay, thank you. We have two events coming up before Christmas. First of all, our next Mag Culture Meets welcomes Rod Stanley, the editor and founder of Good Trouble, the large uh, broadsheet. Um, he's speaking at the shop on Thursday the 28th of November. Tickets available online now. And then we are reprising our Christmas Cracker charity auction. Uh, It went so well last year that we've moved it to uh, our friends at Hoxton Southwark, where we've got a bit more space. The raffle tickets and RSVPs for spaces in the room that night are available online. We're welcoming back uh, Penny Martin, the editor-in-chief of The Gentlewoman, to pull the tickets from the box. And there's lots and lots of prizes, again, all listed online. So I hope you can join us at one or both of those. Uh, See you next time.